am excited about this week's question in our series, Glad You Asked. Now, as Steve and I were reviewing all the questions that you sent in and, and working through them, some of the questions um, are, are easy. Some of them are uh, just um, uh, are around some things that we're confused in, in, in the Bible. But some of the questions carry a little bit more emotion. Some of the questions are going to elicit more of an emotional response from us. And this week's question is one of them. Now, I recently heard someone say this. Uh, every, uh, opinions are like armpits. Everyone has two of them and they both stink. And with this question, everyone has strong opinions about it. And this is the question. Does God expect me to submit to a corrupt government? Now, I'm so grateful that this question was asked. I'm so glad it was asked because this is something that we wrestle with as Christians and as people and as South Africans. And this is something that a lot of people wrestle with. How am I supposed to honor, love, and obey a government that seems to be corrupt? And why I said this is emotive is because we all have something to say about our governments. I'm sure that you've been at a bra, you've been at a social event, you've been somewhere where the topic of government has come up and everybody just loves to lay into what we think they should be doing and, and how they're doing it wrong and how they're messing up everything. South Africans talk about politics. And because our democracy is still so young, there are so many of us that have had different experiences with our past and our transition into democracy and the last 20 odd years uh, in this country. And depending on your demographic and where you lived and how you grew up, you have an experience that is very real. And so when we talk about government because of who you are and your demographic and your age and your experience, you have something to say, right or wrong, about our government. And so this is a really emotive question. And so I might say some things that because of your experience are going to maybe cause you to get angry or get upset. Now, obviously, I understand that that's not the point or my aim in dealing with this question, but rather to open up God's word, see what his word has to say about government and our role as believers. And hopefully some of that truth will maybe be like a, a bit of a bomb and a healing bomb to maybe some of your experience hurts, frustrations. And then we'll refresh our thinking and cause us to live a little bit differently in light of what God's word has to say. But I recognize when we are called to think about our governments, we uh, have emotions and strong emotions because we're South Africans. And we've been through a lot. And politics and governments has played a big role in that. But I also need to say this. No government is perfect because the world isn't perfect and everything is affected by sin. We live in a fallen world and everything is affected by that. So no government is ever going to be perfect. We recognize 
that sin exists and so sin effects. And so, yes, we are always going to be affected and have concerns about government. So we are going to be dealing with a primary text, uh, which is going to be in Romans uh, chapter 13. And, and we're going to read through seven verses and then I'm going to unpack them a little bit. And from there, we will then go into maybe a few other supporting texts and, and talk about it like that and then bring a bit of a conclusion. So um, follow with me as we read Romans 13 from verse 1. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but because also of conscience. This is why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Now, this is not an easy passage to hear. It's not an easy passage to read. This isn't a passage that sparks joy. And one thing about this passage is I've never seen it on, on bumper stickers. I've never seen it on wall plaques in people's homes. This is not a passage that uh, we love and celebrate and cherish as, as a, an inspiring passage. But one of the things that I want to uh, just uh, unpack for us is the context of this passage. Because the writer here is the Apostle Paul. He took the gospel to the known world at the time. He established churches. He wrote letters of encouragement to them, helping them through many issues and instructing them on how to live as as followers of Jesus Christ in the world. One of the churches that he wrote to was the church in Rome. So the government that he is talking about is the Roman government. Now, and I'm going to be saying this because one of the things that we'll say is like, we, we, we want to reject this passage by going, our government is so bad, this scripture doesn't apply to me. Because of how bad my government is. And so we need to maybe reject that line of thinking. Because the ruler at the time was most likely Nero. He was Caesar. Nero killed his own mother to ascend 
to the throne. You might know of an old computer program called Nero Burner. It was a little icon on your desktop that had some flames around some buildings that we would kind of burn stuff to CD, giving away a bit of, uh, you know, my age now. But that was in reference to Nero, the Roman emperor who set fire to Rome to blame the Jews and the Christians to chase them out of the city. There was a term that was developed called the Roman candle. And that was when Roman leaders and governors and Caesars would dip Christians in tar and set them alight to give entertainment and uh, ambiance and light to their garden parties. The Roman government was so brutal that there are accounts of them crucifying 10,000 people on one day. This was not a kind government. This was a strong, military, ruthless government that had subjugated most of the world. Paul had his own brutal experiences and punishments with the Roman government. Slavery existed with this government. So what Paul is writing to and who he is writing to was a far more cruel and ruthless and oppressive government than what I think most, or at least for me, that I have personally experienced. So when we read this, understand that some of the things that the believers had to deal with were very, very difficult. So when we read Romans 13 verses 1 to 7, there it's very clear right up at the front the overwhelming call of the words of Paul is we need to be obeying and submitting to government. That is our response. The simple short answer is we respond, we obey, we submit to our government because all governments have been instituted by God. He raises up governments. He puts leaders and authorities in place. Now this is difficult, but this is what God ordains. This is a hard reality, but God brings in and raises up good governments that bless us. And that's a blessing to us, but he also raises up and we'll see that a little bit later, evil governments uh, for trial and for judgments. But the reality is God who is providential and he has his hand over all of history is the one who puts governments in place and he ordains them. But now that is a good thing and we are blessed by it. So let's recap in verse three. That's what he says. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Right, hear that. Rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. Now this again, I understand, is a very emotive thing. I live in a very policed part of our city. I drive past police checkpoints every single day. In fact, my personal record is being pulled over by the police four times in one day to check my car, to check my vehicle license and to check my driver's license. Now, 
most of those times they've been a very pleasant experience and I've enjoyed my interaction with them as they um, have dealt with me and checked to see if everything is in order and I know not everybody has had those kinds of pleasant experiences but the point is and I mentioned this that government is not perfect the system is not perfect but other people that I've often seen have been being pulled over and being fined because their vehicles are not roadworthy, uh, their cars are not licensed, they don't have up-to-date driver's license, and they are just trying to keep our roads safe. And it is for my blessing. People were breaking the law and they are doing their job to keep us safe. One of the roles of government. Now, we often talk about our high crime rates and over-policing, but one of the things we don't often talk about is um, the conviction rates. And again, everyone has opinions of this, but understand that we have prisons. Those prisons have got people in them who were uh, guilty of crimes, who were arrested by the police, who were prosecuted by our judicial, judicial system, who have then been incarcerated in our uh, correctional facilities and who are in a process of being rehabilitated. And that is the process that is being tried to um, be put in place to greater and greater effect. Now, that is because we have a government. But some people will say, but I don't like our government. I don't like what our government is doing. But just think about this for a moment. What would happen if we didn't have government? Now, some of you are going, yes, great day. I hate our government. I don't want government. And I think what often happens is we confuse politicians and governments. Now, there is obviously a lot of linkage there, but what we often don't like is politicians. But I think we love and should love governments because when we get to governments, we've got things like the administration of our finances. We have got uh, the enablement of a police force, a nursing corps, a national defense force. We've got a public works department that keeps most of our infrastructure going so that we can develop our economy and we can live. And most of us benefit from government. If government is completely removed, what's in its place is complete anarchy. And again, I know we have so many opinions about it and we're not going to be getting into that and whether we think they're doing a right job or a wrong job or because they're failing, then I get to reject them. No. God has put government in place. He ordains it. And they are there for my good. So here is where we get to understand some of what God is doing. Now, there's a term that we call common grace. Common grace. This is really interesting and, and people struggle with this, but God, by his grace, blesses everyone. Common grace, for an example, is rain. If you've got an evil farmer and a righteous farmer, the evil farmer is still able to grow beautiful crops, as is the righteous, because rain falls on both their farms. And through the soil and, and farming, they are able to produce crops and sell and make a profit, even though they are evil. This is called common grace. And even with an evil Roman governments or any corrupt 
government, we still are blessed by it in a number of ways because of God's grace through government to all our lives. And we get to acknowledge those blessings. And we see some of this again in verse 4 as Paul unpacks this. Here's a reminder of verse 4. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Again, let's just use the police and, and, and road safety as an example. When we receive the speeding fine, it is so frustrating when we have to deal with that. But I'm reminded again that I'm glad that those are enforced because I don't want people speeding on our roads because then everyone is safer. I have children, a wife that I love, and I don't want them to be at risk when they are driving because people are driving recklessly. So I'm grateful for a police force that enforces safety rules because they benefit me. That's God's blessing through governments. With the public health, we might have a lot to say about that. But how many people benefit because we pay taxes, which we'll get to, that enable nurses to care for people? The government is a blessing. And even a corrupt government can be and is a blessing to everyone through God's common grace. And then verse 6. This is why you pay taxes. For, author- for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Again, Paul here is following on uh, the words of Jesus. The Pharisees asked Jesus, uh, about taxes and Jesus had a coin and he asked, he said to them, whose face is on the coin? Well, the story is to Caesar, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. It's not a perfect system, but taxes benefit those who are governing and protecting us and serving us and blessing us through God's common grace. But now a question that comes with this when asked, am I supposed to submit to a corrupt government is what happens if there's something in the Bible that contradicts the law in the government? Do I obey the Bible or do I obey the government? Now I found this statement a very helpful one and it will be with me here on the screen. And here's the rule. The rule here is you should always obey government when it takes its place under God, but never when it takes the place of God. So here it is. The rule here is you should always obey the government when it takes its place under God, but never when it takes the place of God. And so... People will then ask, is there ever a time when I should commit civil disobedience to 
openly defy and disobey the ruling authorities. There is a very good book by uh, the author is Norman Giesler and the book is titled Love Your Neighbor. And in this book, he highlights five things to consider when you want to engage in civil disobedience. And here they are. I find them very helpful for you to think through uh, how to process when I can and cannot engage in civil obedience. So these come straight from Norman Gies's book on Love Your Neighbor. So considering civil disobedience, point number one is make sure there is biblical reason for your activities. Remember, because we always obey when government takes their place under God, but never when they take the place of God. So is there clear biblical reason for your actions? Point number two, he suggests then we disobey peacefully. Three, keep in mind that it is permissible to flee a nation that is promoting evil. Four, be willing to accept the consequence of disobedience, of your disobedience. And then five, remember that resistance can involve active spiritual and uh, moral and as well as political efforts. Resistance doesn't have to be uh, just defiance, but it can be active where we get involved in spiritual, moral and political efforts to shape things for good. As we have been building a foundation for our thinking on how do we engage with governments, especially when the government is corrupt, the word submission is something that we also struggle with as people, as South Africans. It seems to be a weak word that we reject, but it is something that is all through scripture. And it does help when we think about submitting to governments. So we know that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Savior Jesus Christ is going to return. And upon his return, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow. My knee will bow, whether I want it to or not, at the return of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the ruler of rulers, the one who has authority over everything, the one who spoke creation into being, the providential uh, God of all history. When he returns, every knee will submit to him. When we get saved, I surrender my life and I submit to the work of Jesus Christ on the cross in my place for my sin. I cannot save myself. I am hellbound, cut off from him. Uh, my life is headed towards destruction. Jesus steps in to my place for my sin and I submit to him. Christ is the head of the church. I'm part of the body. I submit to the head. Scripture talks about wives submitting to husbands, but it also talks about submit to one another in love. So part of the Christian life is one of submission. We let go of our lives. We surrender our lives. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. We lay down our desires. We lay aside our wants. And we pick up that of the kingdom. And we enter into the kingdom. Because we know it, has of, it is of eternal value. And eternal significance. 
And so because we submit to the authority of God, God ordains governments. It then is acceptable for us as Christians to submit to those who God places in authority because submission is part of the life of believers. Right, so we've been dealing with government. We've been dealing with this question. But now I want us to look at a different tone in Scripture because I think there's a way that all of this works and ties together and I find it very, very helpful. And for that, we're going to go to a story in the Old Testament with God's people, the Israelites. Now, they struggled. They were a theocracy where God led them. He was their God. They were his people. And God had prophets that spoke to them. And they often found themselves in this thing called the sin cycle. So they would be at peace. Then they would look at the nations around them. They would worship idols. Uh, They would turn away from God. But then God would bring warning. They would reject that. And then we would have to bring some consequences. The consequences would cause them to repent. They'd turn away from all the things that they were doing and follow God again. And they were in one of those sin cycles. And they had rejected all that God had called them to repent of. So here's what God did. God took a pagan nation, the Babylonians. And God blessed them. God caused them to prosper. And he raised them up as a powerful nation. God used this powerful pagan nation that he had caused to prosper to come bring judgment on his own people who were living in sin, the Israelites. They lost in battle and the Babylonians took them out of the promised land into captivity in Babylon. So here you've got God's people who are now living as captives In a pagan country, under a pagan government, they're captives. And this is where they find themselves in. And they now ask, well, what do we do now? And they spoke to the prophet Jeremiah. And this is what comes out. And and Jeremiah writes back to those who are in in exile or in in captivities in Babylon. And Jeremiah 29 verses 4 to 7 says this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those um, I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And even then there, that I carry, this is just so interesting. He says this, Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry, have sons, and have daughters. Find wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Verse 7, so important. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Seek the good of the city. Seek the prosperity of the city, because if it prospers, then you too will prosper. This for me is so important to how I should engage in government and in civil society. Because when the city that I'm in prospers, I prosper when it goes well I go well this kind of follows 
a thread with one Peter in the New Testament. Again, these guys were dealing with some hectic things as Christians living in some of their cities. And in 1 Peter 2, 12 to 14, you see some of this language. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. And so this is maybe instead of going, should I submit and does God expect me to submit to a corrupt government? We see in his word it's yes. But more than that, what we are called to is to look at the question, what kind of citizen should I be? Because government is always going to fail because of sin. There is no perfect government. Government will never be perfect. And that is something that we just have to acknowledge. But I get to be part of the blessing of society. It is not only on governments. It's also on me as a citizen of the city and a citizen of the kingdom of God is that when the city prospers, I prosper. I must live such good lives. I've got to be because of Jesus, the best citizen I can be. And that is what I'm called to do. And that is going to make a significant difference to all of the governing that takes place in our city. I'm convinced that if more and more people pray for the city that they live in and then seek the good of that city, the city will prosper and they will prosper. And we're called to this. We're called to live such good lives amongst everyone that we find ourselves in. That they're going to see our deeds and praise God when he visits us. That we must settle down into cities. That we must plant gardens and enjoy their produce. That we must grow families and just enjoy all that that blessing brings. Because when the city prospers, we prosper. And so... Yes, it's hard. Yes, our governments can be frustrating. Governments are evil. If we think about what's happening around the world, it is tough for some people in the countries that they live in because of how oppressive and how evil their governments are. And yes, we submit to them because they're ordained by God. But also with that comes the, the role that we play as citizens. And so I want to encourage you with those thoughts. Even a corrupt government brings blessing. So how do I use all that is available to me to be the best kind of citizen I can be that the city can then prosper and so I can then prosper? Let's pray. Jesus, you are the King of Kings. And you are the Lord of Lords. And with such joy, we get to trust you because you are the perfect just ruler. And we get frustrated at governments and rulers and leaders because it's just a shadow of you just being so much greater and so much more perfect. 
Jesus, I pray for your kingdom to come more and more and more. And as we anticipate your kingdom coming in its fullness, Jesus, help us to be um, better citizens as we represent you here on earth. As we are your body, as we live in and amongst people, Lord God, I pray through the empowering of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to live such good lives among the pagans, as your word says. Jesus, that as you wrote to um, your people in captivity, that we would seek the prosperity of the city. As we submit to the authorities that you put in place, God, I pray that you would just really empower us to do that well and to love our city well, because when it prospers, we prosper. But God, I also just want to pray for people who listened to the message but are battling with anger towards our governments uh, that have been hurt and deeply frustrated and wounded by them. God, I pray that you would help them to come to a place of forgiveness and healing and restoration, seeing the blessings that we do have in all forms of government and that uh, we can lead and love in spite of all of that. God, won't you help us as a community of believers just to do that so well in your holy name. Amen.